0: Psalm 1810, the name of the Lord is a strong tower, the righteous runneth into it and is safe. Rob, if you would please turn me down just a hair on the on the mic. The world is a scary place. That's always been the case, but I think we're more aware of it all the time. The world's a place filled with hatred, filled with violence. I mean, we're actually having conversations how to secure our property here while we meet. And there's not a person here who doesn't think that's a legitimate conversation to have. It's a scary place to walk down the street, it's always been a scary place because of sin and death, financial insecurity instability. Get into the place where you turn on the news and nothing surprises you anymore. Things that were a shock of a decade happen on almost a daily basis. And you know that's not an exaggeration at all. The world is a scary place. But there's a place... (laughs) where you will be 100% safe. Now, just for clarity's sake, just to answer the question that right away pops up into your head, I want you to understand that those Christians who stood in line in Oregon last week and had a man ask them, are you a Christian? And they knew that if they said yes, they were instantly going to be shot. They were in the safest place on earth when that happened. Say, Pastor, how can you say that? I can say that because their faith tells me that they would rather die in that safe place than live in this hateful world. Their faith tells me that they valued their Savior above their circumstances. They valued their Savior above their safety. They valued eternal life over this life. And therefore, even though I didn't see them, even though I've never met them, their testimony tells me that even at death they were in the safest place on earth. That's difficult to comprehend if you don't know Christ. There's a place where you'll be 100% safe. Safe from fear. Safe from physical danger. It doesn't mean that physical danger won't come to you there. It means that physical danger can't destroy you there. There's a place where you'll be 100% safe from financial disaster. It doesn't mean that financial disaster won't find you in that place. It means that it won't destroy you. Let me put it this way. It means it will only do to you what God wants it to do to you. Pastor, I'm having a hard time wrapping my brain around that. If God wants me dead... I want to be dead. If God doesn't want me dead, nobody can hurt me. If I'm living in that safest place on earth. You understand? If you're living outside the safest place on earth, your life is pretty random. In that place where you'll be 100% safe, You'll be protected from hatred. Oh, you'll experience some hatred, but it won't hurt you. In that place where you'll be 100% safe, criticism, bitterness, which you're always going to encounter, it won't hurt you. I was in a panel the other day. I wasn't on the panel. I was in a group of three or 400 men. And there was a panel of six pastors up there from some of the largest churches in the the Western Hemisphere. Very experienced pastors and beloved pastors, men of God. And they would ask them a question and then go down the line and get their answer. And one of the questions was, how do you handle disgruntled people? And they just went down the line. The first pastor said, "Of probably one of the best respected pastors in, in America. First pastor said, I don't talk to them. Everybody said, what? He said, people with a bad spirit, I don't talk to them. He said, number one, they're not going to listen to anything I say. I can't help them. They're certainly not going to help me. If they have any chance of getting help, they're going to have to. They, if they come to me, I'll talk to them. He said, but I, and the Bible word, by the way, is avoid them. He said, I avoid them. Went down the line, and there were several other answers. It got to the last pastor, who was Pastor Wilkerson. He said, He said I used to pray for folks like that, that they would fall off the planet. <laughs> he said, but after a few years, I learned that if they did fall off the planet, there'd just be somebody else to take their place. My point is, even in this safest place on earth, you're still going to encounter criticism and bitterness. It's always present with us, but it won't harm you. In this safest place on earth, you'll find it to be a place of peace, a place of security, a place of stability. Pastor, are you you insecure? Absolutely, I'm insecure. We all are. But not in that place. We're not. Because there's security in that place. What is that place? The name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous runneth into it and is safe i got to tell you, that verse baffled me for a long time because I've heard that verse my whole life. Grew, grew up memory verse in Sunday school, very well-known verse. How do you run into the name of the Lord? I mean, tell me practically how do you do that. But you know what? There's a sort of a sister verse to this verse in the New Testament, and it's a very even more well-known verse. Proverbs 18.10. The name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous runneth into it and is safe. Let me give you a similar verse that you already know. Most of you could quote it. Ready? Romans 10, 13. Whosoever shall call upon the what? Name of the Lord shall be saved. So Proverbs eighteen 10, First of all, they both contain that phrase, the name of the Lord. Proverbs 18.10 says you'll be safe. Romans 10.13 says you'll be saved. It doesn't mean exactly the same thing. Romans 10.13 is talking about salvation. God saves your soul forever. But it certainly includes safety after salvation. So these are very similar statements. Now, here's what what you see when you compare them. Proverbs 18.10 says that the righteous runs into the name of the Lord. Romans 10.13 says, I said Proverbs 28.10, I meant to say. Romans 10.13 says, Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord, which tells me that calling and running are the... The similar, if not the very same actions. And the Old Testament is filled with examples of people who, in desperate situations, ran to the name of the Lord. They called upon the name of the Lord. I think of Elijah on top of Mount Carmel. He had invited everyone in Israel, but especially 850 false prophets. Half of them were the prophets of a false god, and the other half were false prophets of the true God. They were all false prophets. And Elijah said to all of Israel, how long halt you between two opinions? See, Israel's problem at that point was not that they had rejected God outright in favor of another god. Israel's problem at that point was the same as our problem right now. They had said, you know what? It's all good. Whatever. If you like God, fine. If you like Baal, fine. If you like something else, fine. It's all good. Elijah said, no, it's not all good. Choose you this day whom you will serve. And he said, we're going to have a contest here. We're going to let the false prophets go first, and they're going to set up a sacrifice, and they're going to call upon the name of their gods and see if their god can answer by fire. Then when they're done, is my turn. Now, interesting thing about this contest. We've got God versus Baal. There's four possibilities. Three of those four If three of those four possibilities were to come to pass, any one of those three, then the Baal guys win. If the four, only the fourth one makes God the winner. Here's the possibilities. The possibilities is that neither God answers by fire. That they go up there, they spend all day, they call upon their gods, and fire doesn't come from either one. Well, Baal wins because that puts Baal and God on the same platform, same, same level. Another scenario is that only Baal answers by fire. We're obviously there, the prophets of Baal win. The third scenario is that both Baal and God answer by fire, which spiritually is, in theory, a possibility because Satan can mimic things. Look at Pharaoh and his magicians. They, for a while, were allowed to mimic. And sometimes God lets the representatives of Satan mimic his men Because people have chosen to be deceived, and God says, If you choose to be deceived, I'll help you. So sometimes God, but that day, God didn't allow, but but that was a possible scenario that Elijah had to consider. Well, what if God answers by fire and through satanic power, Baal answers by fire? If that happens, once again, who's the winner? It's not a stalemate, it's not a draw. Baal's the winner there because all it does is reinforce their belief that, ah, oh, it's all the same. So there's three scenarios so far. Nobody answers by fire. If that happens, Baal wins. Second scenario, neither answers by uh, neither One, Baal answers by fire. Obviously that happens, Baal wins. Third scenario, both answer by fire. In that scenario, Baal wins. But there's a fourth scenario. Baal doesn't answer by fire. God does. And that makes God the clear cut winner. So the prophets of Baal go first. They spend all day long calling upon Baal to send down fire on their sacrifice. They dance. They sing. They shout. They cut themselves trying to impress their God. Finally, after all day, Elijah says, You know what, boys, you've had your chance. Elijah sets up the altar, sets up the sacrifice, even dumps 12 barrels of water on the sacrifice. And then what does he do? He runs to the name of the Lord. Lord God! I'm all by myself here, surrounded by your enemies. Send down the fire. And God sent down the fire. The fire licked up the water. And the crowds of people that had gathered bowed down and said, The Lord, He is the God. The Lord, He is the God. The name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous runneth into it and is safe. Elisha, when he found himself surrounded by the Syrian army, surrounded by the Syrian army, He's in his house. He's reading his Bible. He's drinking a cup of coffee. His servant goes outside probably to get some water from the well or to get the paper or something. And he opens the door and his servant was a lot like Barney Fife, I think. And he goes outside and he looks and he sees and he runs back inside and he slams the door. And he says, Master, we're surrounded by armies. They've got the house surrounded. Elisha doesn't even look up from his Bible. He just says, yeah, it's all right. He said, no, you got to come over here. Look out the blinds. We're in trouble. Elisha says, it's all right. Doesn't even look up from his Bible. Takes a sip of coffee. We're okay. He said, what? He said, yeah, they've got us surrounded, but God's got them surrounded. The Bible says when Elisha walked outside, As soon as he hit the outdoors, God struck them with blindness. And he led them away like a little group of children. And he led them right down to the palace of the king of Israel. What happened? The name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous runneth into it and is safe. Jonah found himself in the worst of circumstances. And it was through his own disobedience. You know, we have this idea that, oh, I can turn to the Lord when I'm in trouble that's not of my own making. But boy, when I get myself into trouble, then I'm on my own. That's not true. Now, I wouldn't go scheming that you can do whatever you want to and call upon God and he'll bail you out. That's a little different. That's some rebellion right there. But we all have wickedness in our hearts. And when you find yourself on the wrong side of sin, And you repent and say, oh, God, I need you. Guess what? The name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous runneth into it and is safe. Jonah found himself in the belly of a whale. And it was his own doing and he knew it. He had run from the Lord. He had schemed to get away from God. He had on purpose put himself in a position where he felt like he'd be stuck. In disobedience, where he could wake up in Spain and say, Oh, well, can't get to Nineveh now. Sorry, Lord. Oh, you know what? I guess I will go, but up, oh, I can't now. It's too late. You probably already judged them by now. I'm sorry, Lord. But his own disobedience brought a storm. And by the way, when God sent the storm, it was an act of God's mercy. When God sends you the storm that brings you to repentance, it is an act of his mercy. And the storm got Jonah thrown overboard and the Lord had prepared a great fish and it swallowed Jonah. And you read Jonah chapter 2. It's one of the most pathetic prayers as Jonah has hit the bottom of his own disobedience. What does he do? He calls upon the name of the Lord. The name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous runneth into it and is safe. Peter was in a boat with the other disciples And they see someone walking on the water. They come to the realization, this is Jesus. It's in the middle of the night. It's about 3 o'clock in the morning. And these men who were seasoned fishermen, they knew the Sea of Galilee. They knew the water. They were scared to death. That's how bad the storm was. And they see Jesus walking towards them. And when they finally do come to the conclusion that this is Jesus, Peter says, Lord, if that's you... Let me come out to you. And Jesus said, come ahead. And Peter took a couple of steps with his eyes on Jesus and he was walking on the water. Then a big old wave came up. And he went, Aah! And as soon as he took his eyes off Jesus, he began to sink. And what did Peter say? Lord, help me! And Jesus reached out his hand and grabbed him and saved him. I don't know if Peter prayed the model prayer there. But God's not looking for you to pray the model prayer. The righteous runneth into it and is safe. The name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous runneth into it and is safe. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Just a few observations will be done. You don't run to the name of the Lord because you're righteous, you're righteous. Once you run to the name of the Lord. How do I know that? Romans 10:10, 10, 10. "With the heart, man believeth unto right, unto righteousness. You call on the name of the Lord because you know you're welcome there. I want you to notice something in this verse, if you know a little bit about grammar, the name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous runneth into it. Now, so far, we don't know in English whether that's a group of righteous people or if that's an individual righteous person. Until we read the statement, and is, now we know. That's an individual. Because is is singular. If it was a group of righteous people, it would say the righteous runneth into it and are safe. But God says whether or not you take refuge in the name of the Lord by calling on his name is a personal choice. Everyone is invited and everyone can take refuge in the name of the Lord. I ask you today, where have you taken refuge for your life? Are you trusting on how much money you have in the bank? That is not a strong tower. Are you trusting on how good you are living? That is not a strong tower. Are you trusting in our church? This church is not a strong tower. The name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous runneth into it and is safe. You run into the name of the Lord by calling on the name of the Lord. And when you... Call upon the name of the Lord. Your heart is believing unto righteousness. And God says, you're safe. God is constantly inviting everybody to run into that tower. A few examples. Isaiah 55, 1. Ho, everyone that thirsteth, come ye to the waters. Everyone. The only qualification to come to God is that you've got to be thirsty. If you're thirsty for God today, you are invited to come to Him. Amen. The righteous runneth into the name of the Lord and is safe. Matthew 11:28, "Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. How many of you today have some sort of a burden on your heart? You qualify for this invitation? Come unto me all ye that labor. And our heavy laden. If we went around the room and I said, "Come clean with God today. Tell us what's on your heart. What's got your heart heavy today?" Well, you know, I, I'm trying to do this, and it just won't work. I this this I've got this heartache in my life that won't go away. I'm trying to make this happen, and I can't seem to get there. I've got an illness. I've lost a loved one. Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. It doesn't necessarily mean that God will take the burden away. Burden away. He may give you the strength to bear the burden. He may give you peace as you bear the burden. Revelation twenty-two seventeen. Four verses from the end of the of, of the whole Bible, God gives one more invitation: the Spirit and the Bride. That's the Spirit of God and the Church. Say, come. Let him that heareth say, come. Let him that is athirst come whosoever will, let him take of the water of life freely. In case you're wondering, if this invitation that's all through the Bible to come to the name of the Lord, in case you're wondering if it's for you, God closes His book by saying one more time, whosoever will. Whosoever will. If you want to, you may. Why do you come? Why do you run to the name of the Lord? Because you take God at his word. You take God at his word when he says in Psalm 27, 14, wait on the Lord, be of good courage. He shall strengthen thine heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. You take God at his word when he says in Psalm 91, he that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. You take him at his word when you... See his promise in Isaiah 26, 3. Thou wilt keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee because he trusteth in thee. The name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous runneth into it and is safe. You run there because you know God has always kept you safe. And here's the great news. You never have to leave. Now, once you come to God for salvation, you never can leave even if you want to, you never can leave. But you never in your lifestyle have to leave that place of safety. God wants you to stay there, and you can stay there. If you live in Jesus' name, you're safe, no matter what. If you live in Jesus' name, now wait a second, yes, I'm talking eternal security. I believe in eternal security. I believe once you put your faith in Jesus Christ, you're safe forever. But now I'm talking for a second about your safety throughout life in this scary world that we were talking about at the at the get go. You're safe. You're safe. I long for every one of us to know the peace of knowing that you are safe and secure in God's hands. I can't harm you. Nobody can harm you. Even if you're living in the middle of the storm, God says you are safe and secure in my hands and you cannot be harmed. And I long for you to come to the place where you understand that even if you're called upon to die for Jesus Christ, that's the safest place you can be. Say, Pastor, I don't get that. The only way you're going to get that is for God to teach you that himself. For you to have the peace to know that the safest place you can be is in the strong tower of the name of the Lord. I want to close with one of my favorite stories in the Bible. Talked about it on the radio this morning. All of the other apostles had been killed. Now, John may not have known that because some of the apostles were killed in Africa. One of the apostles was killed in Great Britain. They were scattered all over the place, and news of that wasn't available. So John may not have known that all the other apostles were dead, but he certainly knew that he hadn't seen any of them in a long time. The apostle Paul had been put to death many years before. They tried to boil the apostle John. This is the writer of the Gospel of John. This is the one who laid his head on the breast of Jesus as they sat And you understand in in the setting there, they didn't sit in chairs. They sort of laid on the floor leaning against what we would call like a a pillow or or a sham. Uh, And they they ate in a reclining position in, in the custom there. And John would often find his way next to Jesus and lay his head on Jesus' breast. And he just, he adored Jesus. This is the same guy now, and they had taken him. He's now an old man, and they tried to put him to death by putting him in a vat of oil and boiling him to death. What, what kind of what kind of demented people want to see someone suffer that way? You've really got to hate God to invent that kind of a tool to put people to death. He wouldn't die. So they took him out and they said, We just get, get him out of our sight. So they put him on this island called Patmos. There may have been other people on that island. It may be in a prisoner's island. That's not certain. But even if he was on this island, he was, he was the only Christian on this island. And so, one way or, or another, he was isolated for certain. He's all by himself. And I want you to imagine the despair that John might have felt. If it had been me, of course, you're, you know, it's, it's beautiful. Beaches, palm trees, you know, it's, it's probably a beautiful place. But if it had been me, I'd have been, why couldn't I have just died? Why couldn't I have been crucified like Peter? Why couldn't I have had my head cut off like Paul? I mean, I'd be in heaven right now. Why am I living here? Are you done with me, God? If if so, why'd you put me on this island where nobody's going to get saved? There's not any church that's going to be started here. But John did something as he lived there on that island. He kept track of the days. Monday, a little slice on the bark of the tree. Tuesday. Wednesday. When he got to the first day of the week, the Lord's Day. You know what he did? There was nobody there to make him do it. He didn't have to report to anybody. Nobody's going to know if he skipped it. But they had a custom of celebrating the day that Jesus rose from the dead. The Lord's Day. So the Lord's Day came around, and John had church. Now, I don't know how many... Day of the Lord's came and went. But on this particular day of the Lord, he said, I was in the spirit. It was Sunday, so I had church. Amen. And what did he do? He called on the name of the Lord. And I sort of pictured John in the words that he himself penned under the inspiration of the Holy Ghost. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. And all of a sudden, all by himself on this island, John probably thought he was hallucinating because he hears a voice behind him say, I am Alpha and Omega. I don't know about you. I, I always, when, when I think something strange is going on, I don't. I don't want to be taken. You know what I mean? So I'm not gonna. I'm gonna pretend. It's like with time I was. I was down. I was down on Fifth Avenue. And it just so happened. I'm. Craw- it's. 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 It's five o'clock. Work is getting out. There are hundreds of thousands of people on the street. And I'm crossing the street because i just come from the American Girl shop. I'd gotten a birthday present for my daughter. And I hear a voice say, Hey, pastor! And I'm going, no, that can't be for me. It cannot be for me. So I didn't even look. Hey! No, no, I'm sorry. It wasn't pastor. Brother man! That was it. Hey, brother man! I said, that cannot be for me. So I just kept walking with my American Girl doll towards the, towards the parking garage. Hey, brother, man. And it was not letting go. It was getting closer. So on the third time, hey, brother, man, I turned and looked. Sure enough, the guy was chasing me down. He was just going for a walk on Fifth Avenue. He had been to our church and the Bronx bus, and he was, he was uh, chasing me down on Fifth Avenue. And that's what I usually. So I wouldn't be surprised if John hears this voice and says, That's probably not for me. <laughs> But eventually, and probably on the first time, he turns and he looks and he sees. He sees someone that I think he hasn't seen since the Mount of Transfiguration. He sees Jesus in his glory. And he bows on his feet. And Jesus says in so many words, John, here's why I've spared you. I've got a job for you to do. I'm going to show you some things. I'm going to take you on a trip. I'm going to show you part of what you're going to see. You're going to see where all your brethren are. They've gone to this place, but I'm going to take you beyond that. I'm going to tell you, I'm going to show you the future. I'm going to show you what I have in store for at least the next 3,000 years and even beyond into eternity. And I want you to write it all down. God says, I'm not through with you. God in one instant took John from a place of hopelessness and despair to a place of purpose and faith. Why? Because John ran into the strong tower, the name of the Lord. Listen, when you face fear, run to that tower, call upon the name of the Lord. Now, if you're not saved today, you need to run to the name of the Lord for that first time. If you are saved, I urge you, run back again and run back again and run back again. Oh, hey, live in the name of the Lord. You never have to leave that strong place. But call on the name of the Lord, and you'll be reminded of that strong tower. If you do run away from the strong tower, call on the name of the Lord. Let God take you back there. The safest place you can live is in the strong tower of the name of the Lord. Let's bow our heads before we say goodbye this morning. Father, I I don't know who's here and where everyone's heart is. Lord, I just barely know my own heart. I pray, Lord, if there's someone here this morning who needs to run, call upon the name of the Lord this morning for salvation, I pray that they would do that, that they would make that very important choice. Lord, we are a sinful, fallen race. We have the nature of Adam with us a rebellious sinful nature and we've acted on that nature we're responsible for our own sin because of that we're damned but i thank you that jesus the savior came and died for my sin and for all of our sins and offers to us the gift of forgiveness and eternal life to those who will call upon his name I pray that if there's someone here this morning who's never made the choice to call upon the name of the Lord for salvation, that they would do it today. Oh, Lord, the time is late in our lives in this world. And this may be someone's last chance. I pray they would not pass it up. Would you keep your head bowed for just a moment? If you're here this morning and you never have called upon the name of the Lord for salvation, I want to give you the opportunity to do that right now. You may have come to church for 20 years, but you've never called upon the name of the Lord for salvation. Would you do that today? Would you acknowledge to God, yes, I've, I've sinned against you. But I don't want to embrace my sin. I want to embrace the Savior. Here's what you tell God. See, you can only come to God through Jesus Christ and his blood. You can't come through this church. We can't get you to God. Only Jesus Christ can get you to God. You can't come through me. I can't get you to God. I have to go to God myself through Jesus Christ. But you come to God through Jesus Christ and his cross. And he'll save your soul immediately and eternally. Say, I want to do that. I want to do that. All right. Then let me help you approach God. You're not going through me. I'm just showing you the way. If you say, Yeah, I want to do that. I want to do that. I want to take Jesus as my Savior. Let me me tell you what what to say to Him. There's no magic in these words. Magic words ain't going to say there are no magic words. It's the choice of your heart. And if you're making that choice in your heart, talk to God. Say, Dear God, I know that I'm a sinner. And I'm sorry. Please forgive me. Thank you for sending Jesus to die for my sin. And I know that Jesus' death on the cross is my only hope for being saved. Right now, I receive Jesus as my Savior, I'm trusting Him for my salvation. I'm not trusting my works, I'm not trusting my church, I'm not trusting my baptism. I'm trusting Jesus Christ because he died for my sins. Jesus, come into my heart. Save my soul. Take me to heaven. Help me to live for God. I wonder if there's someone here this morning who'd say, Pastor, for the first time ever, just now, when you prayed that prayer, I prayed it with you. I received Jesus as my Savior. I'd never done it before, but just now I trusted Jesus as my Savior. Nobody's looking but me. I'd love to rejoice with you. Would you lift up your hand to God as a testimony that you trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior? Praise the Lord. Amen. I just trusted Jesus Christ as my Savior just now. Lord, you see the hand of this dear lady and I pray that you please give her full assurance of her salvation. Lord, I pray if there's someone else who has never made that choice, I pray that you would give them conviction of sin and help them to realize their need of the Savior, please. And let them get it settled just as soon as possible. Please. Christian, we're going to stand in just a moment. The piano's going to play. Where are you taking refuge? It's a shame that We're born again, and yet we take refuge in the same old places that the rest of the world does. Don't take refuge in the popular culture, it'll steer you wrong. Don't take refuge in the amusements of this world. Take refuge in the name of the Lord. The name of the Lord is a strong tower, the righteous runneth into it and is safe. Every time you run to the name of the Lord, you're safe. And the one time that you put your faith in the name of the Lord by calling on him for salvation, you're saved and it's done forever. Oh, live in that, live in that strong tower. Let God take care of you every day. Let's stand together.